Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash usedbookguy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Resellers Mindset Podcast. Use Book Guy Mike here along with Johnny. And we got another John, J&J today, John Muscarella. Everybody knows him as Side Hustle Experiment, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all the social media platforms he is on. He has moved from bulk books to online arbitrage only. So this is going to be very exciting because a lot of people that listen to this sell media and somebody that, you know, had a warehouse and kind of pivoted out of that. You know, what, what's it look like? So I'm just going to throw it over to John here. He's going to introduce himself, kind of what he does. And then me and Johnny will just kind of pick on him. What's up, John? What's going on? Thanks for having me, guys. Um, it's crazy to be on. I have just saw Mike from afar watching his YouTube. And I was like, uh, this dude's like in one of my thrift stores. Uh, what's this? What's going on? Or at the time, I was doing bulk, so I wasn't doing it anymore. But I was like, oh, man, it's like I don't really have like a local bookseller that I've ever like new or texted or anything so um but yeah i started thrifting books quit my nine to five got into bulk books uh had two storage units upgraded to a 4500 square foot uh warehouse got the forklift got employees all that stuff that seemed cool but it turned out that was a huge headache um restock limits happened uh i went from unlimited storage down to like 20,000 to 10,000 at one time at 4,000 had to get rid of like 2,000 books then I was like I guess I have to merge and fulfill uh did not want to merge and fulfill so that was kind of it for me and then I kind of got into online arbitrage a lot of people that kind of everyone seems to start with books so like a lot of people like Miles and Warner um I saw what they were doing with OA and kind of was like just talking to them I'm friendly with them and they kind of you know learn from them, start watching YouTube videos, and then, yeah, got into OA, um, and, yeah, sold over, I think it's, like, 1.8 million um, on Amazon, and that's, like, I would, if it was all OA, it'd be so much higher, but it's only, like, what, a year and a half OA, and then, like, books. It is, uh, it is funny, right, so for those, I mean, me, I probably could have went over to John's house, and we kind of just would have shared one microphone, right, it was right across the river from me, and, uh, <laughs> It, it it's weird right so he gets out of thrifting thrift stores and starts bulk and then i come in and i'm literally thrifting all of the stores he used to thrift before he got a warehouse it's almost as if like the stars align that's like oh john's out here comes mike it's like cohen it's so weird it's so weird to think about um but i did i mean i don't want to give you credit for my whole business right but uh an interview you did with romer i don't even know it might have been 2020 2019 and uh the title yeah, was well, like making money selling books in central Pennsylvania. And I'm sitting at TBS. I'm like, wait a, wait a damn minute. <laughs> what about me? Right. It's so I, I do give you some credit to kind of inspiring me to, to start the, the, the book business altogether. But uh, I'm just curious here, like what, so the restock limits hit you like they always do. Um, I guess I'll kind of start with that. Do you think there's going to be restock limits this year? 100%. Um, they do it every Q4. It's they want fast moving toys and stuff like that. 
I mean, I don't know. I'm no expert. Like, no one knows what Amazon's going to do. I mean, they came out with the email, I think yesterday or today, um, saying that they're not going to raise, like, the surcharge fees. They'll be the same as last year, uh, which is nice. But, I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, they probably will. Um, and that's why it's kind of important, like, for OA, anyway, to kind of just be moving volume because you keep your space that way. For those that don't know, like as media sellers, uh, especially when you have a warehouse, you know, you're carrying 20, 30, 40, 50,000 units in Amazon at any given time. So what happens is when restock limits hit, you go from being able to continually send in pallets of books and media to being able to send in nothing. So he basically reached a point where he said, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to have a merchant fulfilled business or do I kind of want to pivot here and move to OA? And you, you kind of hit it on the head, right? There's a, there's a lot of other people out there, Miles, Warner. Um, just like, give me give me what was going through your head when you when you decided to step away from books. Because I know for a while you were kind of doing both and you got to a point where you're like, all right, this is enough. Like, what was the breaking point for you? For me, it was really just, to be honest, I think you have to always like just pick your heart. And for books, I had a good source. Um I think I did a poor job planning the move into bulk where it just seemed cool. And like, I, that, like for those who don't know, like what everyone looks at, like OA and wholesale now, like that was a bookseller, like everyone and their brother, like the booksellers were like the cool people of Amazon. I'm not really like to not saying you guys aren't cool or whatever, but like that's what everyone wanted to do and be in like thrift. But now everyone wants to do like, OA to prep or wholesale to prep or all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, for me, I was just like, you know what? Like, this is just way too much work. And it was really the merch fulfilling and getting help. Like, I don't, it's always hard to get help. I mean, I was trying to get help in the pandemic. I'm paying like someone $15 to scan a book, which is, it just doesn't work like that. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, everyone should get like a fair wage and all that other stuff. But like, they're just like some stuff that just can't pay that much and kind of use books. Is It's a volume game and you have to get through it quickly. And there really is no quick way to get through a Gaylord of books. I mean, we had a dumper, we had a table. Um, it had like a good process going, but like, unless you're going like the conveyor belt route, which is going to cost you like 40, 50 grand, um, you know, there's only so many ways you can make it quick. And that was kind of the thing in my head. It was just like, you know what? Scaling OA, you're spending more money. Skip to scale a book business, you could buy two truckloads, but you have to process two truckloads. So now that means I need like four or five people. For OA, I'm just like sitting there swiping my credit card. Like I could buy 10, I could buy 20, I could buy 30. And then like, yeah, it's just too much work. I was also doing eBay full time. So like it was just way too much. I don't even know how I did it at this, like looking back. So do you, are you currently a solo op or you have some staff on a smaller scale or? I use a prep center. Like, I guess I consider that like staff because, you know, they do all the prepping and shipping to Amazon. And then I have a virtual assistant who sources for me and then another one that kind of helps with content a little bit. So nobody you see every day who brings you coffee? No, no, no. no. Okay. And uh, are you still doing eBay or are you out of eBay entirely? Uh, so I'm partnered with this other prep center that will list my returns on eBay for me. Okay. Um, 
I have like mixed feelings about it. It's like going okay. Um, but now that I have more space, I literally just moved into like a house from an apartment. Uh, I might like kind of take it back. It's kind of almost more of a hassle than anything else. So a little eBay, but not really. Gotcha. I um I'm curious here, right? Because just like all all the OA people, right? They show you your bars on your phone, right? Oh, look at these bars. Can just give me a realistic expectation if somebody starts online arbitrage of like a profit percentage, you know, is it between like 10 and 25? Like, give me kind of the low and then the higher end of like what you have seen since you started OA, just so people have a real expectation because a lot of people get caught up with the sales numbers and not the profit numbers. So the sales numbers, oh, that is one thing with OA that is really hard. Like with books, so easy to track. Like you go to Goodwill, like, I don't know how you did it, but like with me, I used to do like the soft back. Then I got to a point where it's like, whatever's in the bag, like we split it, whatever the cost was. And like, that's how we're doing it. For OA, there's lots of lost inventory, um, stuff that was at the prep center or stuff that Amazon loses. Like there's just money everywhere. Um so I'd say probably about like 10%, 10 to 15%. Really depends if you're smaller, like you could definitely find stuff that's like 30, 40, 50% ROI. Um, but it's really hard to do that at scale, uh, you know, doing like 60, $70,000 a month in sales. Um, it's hard to try to keep that margin up. Um, but it's just, you just gotta kind of got to look at it I like to look at it more like almost to like profit. It's like, there's some stuff, like I'd rather make 20% on something and make $20 than have like something 40% ROI that I'm making $2 on. Like, I don't care. Like, so I think you just have, it's a constant balance of that. And then it's like returns. Like there weren't written many returns with books. I mean, maybe textbooks, the returns were a little higher, but yeah. So there's just a lot to track and a lot to go on. But again, like, yeah, like with anything else, it's just, you got to figure out what you want to deal with and kind of go from there. So most people in our group, they kind of, they don't traditionally do AA. There's a, OA, there's a couple of them. So what would you say the startup cost for getting into OA? And let's just, let's keep it nice here in books. What would that cost somebody trying to get into that in 2023 numbers to clarify for people listening in the future? That was the craziest part. So that was probably the biggest obstacle for me to wrap my head around. I was probably paying like four to five thousand dollars a month for books, like just for inventory and like a helper and stuff like that. For OA, like some days that's what I spend in a day. Like we're trying to spend like forty, fifty thousand dollars a month just on inventory. So to get started, everyone says, Oh, you can start with zero dollars. I don't really buy into that. I would say ideally like two to 3,000. Um, it also depends on like how hard you want to make it. Like you don't need inventory labs, but like <laughs> it's a good idea to have that. Like what are you going to do, list on Seller Central? I mean, I guess you could, but like I don't even know how to do it anymore. But like, so I would say like two to $3,000 and yeah, you just got to like, I would say that five, the more money you have, the better. And I like to recommend that like, you don't rely on like a credit card. Cause like 
you're for sure losing money on your first like couple of buys because like you're just learning it's just how it is it is uh it is weird to kind of think about right like you go from going to your warehouse like you know how six seven days a week to now you can basically the room you're sitting in right you can get off this call and you can go source products like has that changed in like your environment like did you have times where you're like damn i wish like i could just like go sit in the warehouse by myself like somewhere outside of like your your house to source like do you do that like you go to coffee shops and whatnot just as like a change of scenery i will like yeah sometimes it's like nice so sometimes now it's really nice because like i have all this whole like space down here um but yeah, I'll go to like Panera or like Barnes and Noble, some coffee shops, just to like break it up. Yeah, it's weird like not leaving the house and like just kind of like sitting at a computer all day. Um, but yeah, sometimes I think I miss eBay a little more than anything else because we were doing like the rare like high end books. Like I started to really get into that. It, it was like a love hate because I remember. I think we did like 50k in sales in a year i'm like oh this is amazing like and now like we do that on amazon in like a month and you're just like wow it took you a whole year like it's just very different um obviously the profit and stuff is much better on ebay on like a 50k sales but um yeah it's do just you, do you need a prep center for oa like say like say somebody like myself you know and even like yourself right in books you're kind of doing all the prep work yourself like is it feasible because the big thing right is oh hey, you can travel the world you can do what you want and it goes to a prep center you don't even touch the stuff right like so how feasible is it to like have a prep center do you recommend having a prep center when you start or is there like kind of like a time frame where it's like okay build your business to this point then you can think about a prep center so i think for prep centers you should know you should be doing all the prep yourself at first um, just because you have to know how the process works. Like I thought a big, oh, you sell books. It's going to be easy to do online arbitrage, but it was an obstacle. Like it's nowhere like the issues and headaches. Like it's just like anything else. Like you have it with books and like, I didn't realize, I thought I was just going to like smooth into it. Like no big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you should do all the prep yourself and you just kind of got to look for advantages so like for instance in like pennsylvania um like you don't pay tax on food like grocery store items like vitamins some health stuff um so those are clothing you don't so those are really good items to go around because one of the best things about a prep center is it's in a tax-free state so you don't pay sales tax or usually that is a good one to go with um but I mean, you should, I did a shipment myself the other day. I actually like went really deep into something and was just like, it was a good opportunity. So it's like, I'm just going to prep it myself and get it there quicker. Um, so there's pros and cons, but I definitely think you should start. When should you get one? I think it just like depends on your time. Um, you know, if you, the, the theory behind it is, you know, if you could spend, if you spend to your time sourcing, you can make more an hour than you can prepping. Um, but there'll come a point where you kind of need more time to source potentially. And that's usually the time to get one. I feel like probably on a 20, 30 K in sales, maybe start looking um, for one. Plus you have to realize that it's a cost, like it's upfront. 
like obviously you're not doing the work i feel like sometimes everyone's like in such a rush it's like oh i want to be like cool and you know have a and i did too and like i lost like five thousand dollars in inventory because i didn't know what i was doing when i hired the prep center and like it turns out that like i was like yeah i'm gonna do this book business full-time like i need to outsource to prep um and then like i had no idea what i was doing with oa and it turns out like the prep center was bad and like everything got screwed up and like I wasn't sure if it was normal like just all this stuff happened so you definitely need to like there has to be a balance of how much work like you're willing to do and how much you could outsource I feel like like I'm one to like I guess kind of like to work which is weird um but yeah it's just really hard I think it just depends on the person now if you have like a full-time job feel like that's a little bit of a different story like you're gonna have to hustle and like prep but then like it might make sense for you to outsource that sooner than it would for someone who's like just doing it full time so what do you consider to be the biggest problem in a way right now uh there are a lot of problems right now number one what's at the top of your list uh for oa i think it's getting inventory like banned from stores like, I'm pretty sure, I was talking to Mike, I just got banned from, like, one of the biggest websites I was, like, ordering a lot of stuff from. Um, so, like, you spend a lot of time, like, learning how to get around stuff, um, you know, the sales cycle for that site and all this other stuff. And then, like, you're banned. And then you're like, damn, like, I got to do this again at another store. Um, so I think that's probably, like, one of the hardest obstacles to overcome. But there are definitely stores out there that, you don't have this issue with and categories like I used to be really big into apparel and you could get like tons of apparel like without a lot of issues but then the returns are higher so like I all the time I like go back and forth and maybe I should just like get back into apparel um but yeah I'd say that's probably one of the biggest ones uh, I'm curious here because you've been doing OA for a while now like uh there's people that sell like leads right so like you have a list of things and like <laughs> Uh, I've heard stories of like uh, VAs, like uh, Johnny's both your and my VA, right? And you're kind of like, does that happen often? Like, I feel like, I just feel like if it's like a bot that's source, sourcing these leads, like the bots probably all do the same thing. So it's like, oh, you get on this leads list and you think, oh, you're going to make this money. And that's kind of like the easiest way to do it. And a lot of people do it. But I do think like, give me some nuances when it comes to like leads list and VAs, like, have you ever had like a VA that worked for you and somebody else? I did. And I had to fire him. I was in this group called arbitrage ops and they ran like a service that you could like submit your VA to like, and he started doing like really like kind of crappy and like, wasn't doing a good job. And I just happened to like submit it. And they're like, Oh yeah. Like that guy's worked for like three people. And then, so like I go to hire another one. And he applies because like you could see like the history of like the applicants. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, but yeah, so I feel like for leads list, it's like anything else. Like that's like one of the hard parts about it's I like definitely envy you because it's so much in the terms of like content creation. It was so easy to make content about books and like, oh, I have this big warehouse and there's books everywhere and like making like 20 30 dollars a book or sell a book on ebay for 500 dollars. but if in no way like you can't really share anything like 
people get real mad um i actually just joined the leads list to kind of like test it out um it's definitely interesting more so a leads list works best when you don't buy anything that's on the list you use it to like be like oh like target's having a sale like they're like hey this water bottle's that's on sale at target you're like oh are there any other water bottles that's on sale and that's kind of how like the best way to use it um because a lot of the leads like people are just gonna buy it like they're just gonna buy it and then they're gonna panic and freak out um so if you're using the right way i mean i guess it it could be beneficial I kind of like to be on the list too, because like I like to know what's being put on the list to like stay away from that kind of stuff. Um, there's definitely some like things where you're just like, wow, like this is a great lead, and then it just goes to crap, and it's like, oh, like yeah, I was on this list or whatever. So it kind of could help you like not buy as heavy if you know it's on the list, or yeah. So leads list, I mean. It's a good way to like get some ideas of different stores or sources that are probably a little less unknown than others. Um, but overall, I mean, it just really depends on what you're trying to do. It's so, always best to source yourself. That is like, I guess I'll leave it at that. Like it's always best for you to figure it out. Um, but I could understand why people would want to go with the leads list. Absolutely. So with pe more people jumping into OA, um, I mean, the gateway is a little high for people to start two to three K. Some people don't have 2000 and even in their savings account. So once they get there with more people jumping into OA, where do you see people like yourself staying ahead of the curve in the OA market? What what lay is in the future for you? So for me, it's really I think it's really the future is like almost like keep a product finder. So a lot of what's going on now, a lot of people are trying to talk about it and giving away their strategies. It's a very interesting time in the OA space as someone who creates content and has like kind of sells coaching and like might do some other stuff. I mean, it almost seems like that's like the move for a lot of people. And that's why so much stuff is being shared because it's like you share this juicy tidbit of like, a lead or something and then like the idea is like oh like they're gonna join the discord or whatever the hell they're doing um so i mean i think there's like that but i think it comes down to just like creativity and i think just knowing um like i would almost kind of like related to like what you guys do books so like you just have like time so like you have a lot of experience you scan a lot of books like you just know where not to go so like if me and mike went into a thrift store and i'm new like he's gonna go to a certain spot i'm not gonna really know where to go or what to do and i think there's just stuff like that like you just build on your experience and just kind of like staying on top of like the curve and it really comes like just listening and being part of the community because like it's real obvious like where people are pointing people like everyone's pointing people to like apparel so like that's like okay like everyone's going there so like maybe I shouldn't go there and just knowing what like leads are being shared having like an inside ear with like you're tight with some people like what's actually going on in some situations um but I mean there's so much opportunity like to buy stuff I mean geez like there's just sales all the time and I just think you just have to be like 
just have like a little more edge, I guess. Like you're just keep learning and kind of, I always like, I still to this day, like buy courses. Like I remember like signing up for one and someone's like, what are you doing in here? It's like, you know, like get a refresher, like sharpening the edge. Like, I don't know. Cause like, you just see like these little tiny tweaks. And I think like those little tiny tweaks when you apply it to what you already know, like instead of like just getting like so-so results, you get these crazy results because like you know 90% of it. It's just like this little tweak that like takes it to the whole another level. It is uh it is interesting. I'm curious, like because I feel like if I did OA, right? And I'm like, maybe I find like this hot item or like this hot website, you know, this kind of one-off thing, like. Do you have like, you don't got to tell me who it is, but do you have like an inner circle of like maybe like four or five people where like if you find something, maybe you're like, hey, this is a good deal right now on this. And like, you know, like, hey, it's Mike. He's not going to tank the list and I can give him this lead. Do you have like a trust in like inside circle where you kind of like share stuff? I definitely share stuff with some people. I probably do, could do a better job like building that circle. Um, I definitely have like a couple of people that I'll share with um it's always hard because it's <laughs> to be like an influencer or whatever we're called or whatever um you know you're a big target so like anytime like you know you're driving around or like I don't know if you guys know but like sometimes like people share stuff and I was like I know exactly what website that is like they just took like a little picture and it's like well I know like the color of that checkout button or that's the text or like every email they send out has this like there's just little stuff like that um we're like i think a lot of people get their store like burned um when they brag like oh i like sold a hundred of these and like go to target you're like okay like knowing what i know you can go to their store or find it like everyone uses their instagram handle like well i don't know why they do that for what, um, like the Amazon seller name? Yeah, their Amazon storefronts, like their Amazon, <laughs> like their Instagram handle or like something like in their Instagram name. You're just like, okay, like this is definitely this person. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's always, you got to constantly be like changing stuff up. But yeah, it's always good to share. I mean, I love to share with the community. Like even I'm not getting anything like back for it. I think it's like, for instance, like there's just so much stuff to buy. And like, even if I like, had infinite capital like still i don't know there's so much out there to get that is uh i think there's so many little nuances that go into oa it's not just going to the website and just buying it like you actually have to sit there and like oh you need a repricer you need to do this you need to do that so like i'm curious like what's your angle for like uh like give me your youtube's give me your YouTube story, like why you started YouTube and like what the future is of like your channel, because you're, you just shoot it straight with OA, right? You shot it straight with books. And it's like, I, there's not many people out there that kind of be like, well, this is how much I made. These are the mistakes I made. Don't do this. Don't do that. So like, give me why you started YouTube, where you want to take it. So I started YouTube really to, so Instagram, I started like to kind of document the journey, like that whole kind of thing. I wish I had documented so much more. But I had like a nine to five and like stuff like that could get dicey. Like the owner of that company was always kind of like, I don't know, he would definitely be pissed. Like if he like saw that I was doing it on the side, then it comes up like questions, like what are you doing at work? Like all this like shit comes up. So I'm just like, I don't want to do that. And then like, I was just kind of driving and I was like, I wanted to make content and like Instagram was just like, 
it was just hard. Like, I feel like you just had to write a lot. And it was, I don't know. It just wasn't my thing when I first got started. And I was actually listening to a podcast and Russell Brunson, who he's like an internet marketer. He runs, he owns ClickFunnels. He was just saying like, oh yeah, like I had no time to make content. So like on my commute to work, I would just like film and like do the podcast. Cause I had like a 10 or 20 minute commute. I was like, oh, I had like a 10, I have like a 20 minute commute. Like if I just go and like film a video driving home, like that would work because it would be easy. I would just upload it as I thought. I didn't realize like you need to make a thumbnail and like all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, that's kind of why I started and like just to give back to the community and just, I don't know. I feel like it's always hard and a lot of people like help me for free. And like, I'm like friends with these people now, like we text regularly and meet up. So I feel like to give back, help other people. I mean, I hated my job. Um, so like, I know there's a lot of other people out there. So like even, and then like selfishly, it just feels good when someone like comes up to you and like, Oh, like I quit my job because of you, or, you know, you helped me do this, or I made like $2,000 when I implemented this. So I feel like stuff like that just like really feels good. And like, it's more rewarding than like orange bars and money. And I kind of want to put more of a focus on that, that this year, like it's always hard for me anyway because like when you kind of do that where you're like oh i'm gonna put more of a focus on community and helping other people people are oh your amazon business sucks like you're just doing it for months like it's like this whole stigma and it's just like all right like go watch like the three or four hundred videos that are out there like if you tr still truly feel that then like whatever that's on you and like it is what it is but yeah, it's always kind of like that. And it's what I enjoy the most. Like I, I would do this like all day. Like I love selling on Amazon, but doing podcasts, making YouTube content and just like helping other people. I mean, I feel like that's just so much more rewarding. So when you're getting started in your journey, how supportive were your friends and family before you were a success? Yeah, it's funny how that kind of changes. Like even like now, because when you post numbers and stuff, people are like, Whoa. like, especially if they're not in the space, like they don't know what that number means or like what is even at the end. Like, I don't even think my parents know exactly like how much money I make. Like they're always like, oh, is like everything okay? Like, just want to make sure. Like, is it? Are you eating working? okay? Do you need yeah, grocery exactly. money? <laughs> like, yeah, things have never been better. Um, so yeah, I feel like at first it was it was always. I didn't really tell anyone. So the first, so I started flipping furniture locally and I feel like sometimes you just should just like keep some stuff to yourself and like figure it out yourself. Um, because a lot of times, like I feel like my parents are super supportive um, of me and like, I love them and all that stuff. But I feel like if they're like, what the hell are you doing? Like bringing like a table and chairs, like what, like, what are you doing with that? I, and I think like those like little things like as dumb as it sounds like could really like like get someone like not to do it they'd be like oh like this thing's this is dumb or like ah uh, like they're probably right or something like that so I think when you start and go out and you're like yeah yeah it's going all right I made like you know 500 bucks and they're like oh, what like it's like when you have that little proof 
to kind of like go up and like kind of combat some of these arguments and like my parents are super supportive like my dad was like an entrepreneur so like he gets it but like yeah I think for most people like family and friends could like almost be their worst or their best um like as it got out a little more like you know my like aunts or uncles like oh like we have this or that like are you interested so like it was good but like I think at first like it's like anything else it's like you think it's dumb until you see like one of your friends doing it and you're like oh damn like they're actually making money doing that like I thought it was stupid but I think that it's sad but I feel like that's just how it is it's the same thing like on social media platforms like oh you get a certain amount of Instagram followers like you're over 10k or you're over a thousand you can it just gets very different. It's it's hard to explain. It's uh, it is pretty weird when you think about it because like friends and like you said, like they could be. Have you had like any family members or like close friends like reach out and be like, John, can you teach me how to do what you do? Yeah, they never do it. <laughs> same with me, dude. <laughs> it's the same I'm like, me. yeah, you could go to here, yep. like you could buy this, you could buy that. Like you just have to sign up for an account, and then they're like. I don't know. They go back to doing whatever they're doing. Um, uh, I'm I think everyone loves the idea. It's like anything else. Like everyone loves the idea of like making like passive income and like yeah. But like when you like break it down, it is a lot of work, um, especially upfront, and it takes a certain person. I think for a lot of people, it's like if you can't stomach losing like five hundred dollars like it's not going to work for you like it's just not like this is a business where like you like I consistently lose on ASINs but you know most of the time I win so you're always going to be losing and I think people just can't feel like if you want to make like quick money like flip on Facebook marketplace like locally all right I need uh something then like the time I need a testament from you for all the people out there that are thrifting media from thrift stores that say, I want to get into buying Gaylords of books and they can just roll them into their storage unit or their warehouse. And they think that, you know, it's just going to be, it's just going to be magical and they're going to make millions of dollars. So I need you to give me like a, a few paragraph here summary of the actual hard work and all the overhead and everything that goes into having that bulk business when you had it. Yeah, so it always seems good on the surface. Like, oh, if even if I only got 10 cents a book, like, oh, I have more than like triple the money. It's like, yeah, like I would, let's be honest, probably 90% of that is you're going to have to like donate back or get rid of it somehow. And like, you're not rolling anything. Like you need a pallet jack, like for sure. And you probably need like a plate if you're doing out of storage unit because like there's a lift. And like I learned that the first time, like, like, oof, yeah, like how is this gonna work? Um, so I think like on the surface, it's it's good. It's like shiny, it's like the cool thing to do, but you're gonna have to get rid of like 80 to 90 percent of what you're getting. And to get rid of that, oh, everyone loves to read, everyone loves books, like. Well, not everyone could like haul a Gaylord out. Like, and if you want to box it up, it's going to take like 50 Home Depot boxes to box it up. And then like, no one wants to haul that either. And you're literally taking all the good stuff out, kind of, obviously like with books, like 
some people love romance novels, but like to find that person, they don't want 20 boxes of them though. So I feel like there's just so many logistics you have to think about. Like when I did bulk out of a storage unit, I literally had a moving company, like picking up the books at the thrift store, rented a pallet jack for the first couple of times. Cause like, I didn't know if I wanted to do this, didn't really fit in my Jeep. So like, I would just drive like with the trunk bungee down. Then like you have to pay for the Gaylords and the pallets. So it's like 15 each. Um, and like you eventually you like recycle them like in if you keep buying from someone and then you go through all the books and then yeah you got to get rid of them it's like you almost have to do it if you're not doing it regularly in like a day or two like when I got my first load I got like a Penske truck and I got had a person help me literally got the Penske truck scanned all everything I think we did it that day and we literally did it in the truck. And there was like so many like bad things where like, all right, because like you don't want to pay the, for the truck rental twice or for two days because it's expensive. It's like, it's at least 250 bucks, I feel like. So by the time you do that, and then, so you have to get the books, go through all the books and then get rid of the books. So you don't have to pay for like two days of the truck. Cause like you're paying like probably 500, 600 for the books. Like the truck is going to cost you $500 if you have it for like two days. So like you got to go like super quick donating. Like it was such a disaster. Like I went to the Goodwill outlet and like we had it like all boxed up and like it didn't even occur to me to like see if they would like take them in pallets. And like, I was like, would you ever like take it in pallets? Or like, yeah. So like me and this other person, like literally there's probably like two or 300 like medium home cheap load boxes that we were just like dumping in gay lords. It took us like an hour or two uh, just to do that. And like, it was so terrible, but like, yeah, getting rid of the books is probably like the hardest thing. And I think like anything else, it's just like, like imagine like, I think for people, it's like, imagine you had to buy the entire, all the books in the thrift store. Like, that's what you're doing. That's essentially what you're doing. Like, you're better off just, like, scanning and going to more thrift stores and taking that on. Because, two, like, you don't know, like, especially if you're buying from a thrift store. Like, you have people, like, probably, like, Mike or, like, just, like, dumping crap, like, at the thrift stores because, like, he's getting it from the library and he doesn't want to, like, you know, throw him back to the library or, you know, he's dumping in another city because like he doesn't want to dump it into his thrifts. But, like all that stuff, like he's dumping garbage. They're putting it on the shelf. No one's buying it. And then it's going into a Gaylord. So like, you just never know where it's coming from. And it's always like, it's always a crapshoot, but like bulk books seems like cool and sexy. And I always tell people they're like, Oh, I just want to test one. I was like, you're going to lose it ton of money like what are you going to do you're going to pick up one and you're going to rent a truck to pay a hundred dollars like if someone's selling you one you're like paying like three times the price most likely of getting one like you should be paying like five five to eight cents a pound for per bucks so like probably 60 to 70 bucks a gaylord um if you're paying more than that like that's a bad deal like, cause like, unless there's like, 
a gazillion textbooks in there. Like it's just not happening. So how much has networking transformed your business dealing with people asking questions and stuff? Cause we got a lot of people that are background lurkers and we never see them except every now and then, but uh, how vital do you think networking is? I think it's, it, it's so important. Um, just like to be part of the community and just like showing your face. Um, it's just, I don't know. There's so much opportunity that I've had just, it's like one thing where it's going to sound so bad, but like I can literally probably get a hold of anyone and like reselling just because of what I put out. Like if I have a question or if I want to get into wholesale, if I wanted to do something else, I could probably get like a call with one of the top people like doing that. And I think it's just like one of those things where it's just like, Oh, like you're in the community, like they're giving back, you're giving back. And I think when you're willing to give, like people are like really willing to help you and it was crazy i was at a conference uh with jameson i don't know if you know jameson philippi um some girl like came up to us like because me and jameson have like a similar story like we were depressed and like went through all that stuff and like she was like you guys have no idea like i never commented i don't never dm'd you guys but like you guys basically like saved my life like just hearing your story and like how you were able to overcome it and like i'm about to do seven figures and you're just like damn like i have no idea who this person was like they've been watching all the youtube videos and you just never know who's watching and i feel like that's kind of like the cool part about it or like going to meetups and people are like oh i watched this video i don't know if you guys ever have this where you're like people like watch it like it's just like this weird thing where like people are coming up to you and you're just like yeah, I guess people like, yeah, it gets views. So yeah, obviously people are watching it. Um, so I mean, I think it's always good to like network because like you're going to need help at some point in the journey. Um, and people are like super friendly. Like I have an inbox full of people want to make reels for me or they want me to do Amazon automation or all this crap. Like not a lot of people are asking for like fundamental like help. But, like I'm always happy to help. Um so I feel like the inbox isn't crowded for like legit people. I will say like, if you're going to reach out to someone, like do some homework, like don't ask like, Hey, like, how do I start OA? There's like probably five different videos like on my YouTube. Like you just type that in and like side hustle experiment and like go watch that and then say, Hey, I watched the video about this. Like, what do you think about this? And it's like, okay. Like they watched something like, all right, let's talk about it. I once had someone ask me, I have like a video it's like oh like 10 great places to buy and I was like oh like here's the link they're like oh what are good places to buy stuff from I was like oh here's the link they're like can you send me the list of the stores and I'm just like what I was like what is going on here and I was I stopped talking to them what all right I don't need an explanation but you have to choose you can't go wishy-washy 50 50 what community is better the book selling or the online arbitrage community I don't have to say OA. I feel like the people are more friendly in OA. I mean, the book community is awesome. And like, obviously I was a big part of it. And I think there's more, probably more like complaining and more like shaming of like people, I don't know, not knowing stuff or I'm not really even sure. Like, I mean, there's like plenty of like bad stuff 
going on on Twitter with OA and people like being mean and stuff. But I feel like sometimes it's, I don't know. It's just, I think that booksellers have like a lot to complain about because uh, it's it's a tougher game. Like it's definitely a tougher game. And I think people are maybe a little older and crankier. And I'm probably going to get killed for this, but like whatever. I do yeah. think that's the case. Like there's a lot of people that were like, yeah, like I just did it by eye. And now like you could like whiz by them with like, scout iq or whatever using the scan and i think there's definitely like some like resentment there and i think like some reason i feel like there's more people who are like yeah there's no money in books like they're saying that to like keep people out i don't know it's like a weird listen i've never been in in the facebook groups anymore um so i'm not like but like i do remember like people would be like oh like the oh the famous one would be like oh where can I get Gaylords of books and these people would get crushed it's, like 30 or 40 people would be like you're so dumb like find your own source and all this stuff like oh I'll sell you them for like 300 like I was like damn like just scroll by like I never like I'm not a part of really any OA communities but I can say for a fact that the book the book community is not as nice as people make it out to seem. And I think that's kind of why a lot of people gravitate towards me, because if you go just post a question and, you know, like any of the Facebook groups for any of the softwares, right. And even if it's the most newbiest question, should I buy this book? You don't understand how this, what you're looking at. It's like, it's so toxic. So I do agree with you there. I was just curious what your take, I I knew your answer, what it was going to be, but. (laughs) It's also like super apparent to me. It's like, I don't know how like much you were like on YouTube with OA, but like we're always together. Like me and Michaela, we do a show and like we always have someone on. Like I feel like it's crazy to me, like especially just in the thrifting like world of books. Like you guys, like you could share everything and like someone in Florida, like Max is not coming to Pennsylvania, like to like look at rare books. Like He's going to be like, Mike, you go find them and ship them to Florida. Like, you guys, like, have this, like, amazing thing where you could, like, share basically everything and, like, all win. Anyway, it's a little different. Like, we share, like, a lot of information. Uh, like, actual ASINs are not really. But, like, you could literally be like, oh, like, buy this first. Ed- be on the lookout for this first edition. And, like, that wouldn't hurt them at all. And it's just crazy to me that, like, there's not, like, that mesh. So if you could take you now and go back to until year one of you reselling one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, Get started sooner. Like, I feel like it's always like that. I probably would have went into OA much sooner, I feel like. Um, I think it's about, like who you surround yourself with. I feel like now when I first started, it was like, do books, like don't get distracted. Like it was like, books is amazing. Retail arbitrage, you're just going to go to Walmart and buy something and it's going to tank and you're going to lose money. No one was really talking about online arbitrage. And wholesale was like for people, like if you crushed your book selling business, like maybe you could transition to wholesale like five years away. Now it's like totally different. But I think, yeah, get started sooner. And just, like, I think it's just take action. Like, it's just so sad. Like, 
I like literally made a YouTube video. Like someone came here to put together furniture for us. And he's like, oh, like we're just talking. And it's like an Uber for like furniture or something. Like you pick your job or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I thought about OA. Like, you know, right around the pandemic. And I was like, dude, like you would have like been retired. Like if you like sourced the pandemic, like you could literally sell anything at Walmart for like triple the price on Amazon. And it's just like, now he has like kids, it's a little harder. Like, so I feel like you just have to like take action and like, no one wants to lose money, but I don't know. It's going to happen. And like, just get over that. Like, just do it. And then just see what happens. And I feel like you don't have to like go all in, like just try it. Cause like, I feel like a lot of times too, it's like a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, that'd be amazing. And then they do it and it's like not amazing. It's like, well, you just wasted like two years. You could have found out two years ago, like this sucks and it's not for you. So, I mean, I think just taking action and like just doing it. Don't tell anyone about it. Just do it. And if you lose 500 bucks, like no one else has to know about it. And who cares? You lose 500 bucks at the casino real quick. Only a few spins, right? You go to high yeah. roller room. Boom, 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 boom. You're done. You're broke. You're out the door. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up here. But uh, John, where can people find you? Plug all of your uh, YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff. Yeah, you guys can find me on YouTube, Instagram, uh, Side Hustle Experiment. Uh, just type that in and I'll pop out. He's uh he's an open book. So like maybe you're yeah. selling media now or maybe you're doing RA. Uh shoot him a message. He'll give you a straight up answer. No, no fluff or none of that kind of BS. Uh we appreciate you hanging out with us today. And uh it was a fun time. I look forward to uh the future of you and OA and you know, building your YouTube out here. So we appreciate having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. We'll talk to everybody in next week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash usedbookguy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode.